you're here for the first time, we're so thankful that you've decided to worship with us today. Today is a, a big day in the life of our church because we are, have officially moved to two services. Yeah, praise the Lord. We're super excited about this. Um, and you know, next week, uh, I want you guys to be praying uh, just with us corporately because uh, next week our college students are going to begin tr- kind of trickling back in. And I want to call us to be praying for them. Because studies have shown that the first 10 days on a college campus is one of the most influential times in the lives of a a student. I mean, they they have to decide whether they're going to live for Jesus or live for the world. And so I want you, I want to call you guys to be praying intentionally that we as a church would uh, do all that we can to reach the campus, but then also we should be praying that they would find hope in Christ and that we, as, we would just come around them and love on them. And, and, and also next week, just to kind of give you a heads up, we're going to be moving into a, a four-week series in the book of Jonah. Uh, it's one of my personal favorite books. The book of Jonah is, um, <clears throat> you know, most people know it as, a, as Jonah being swallowed by a whale. Uh, which, yes, or a big fish, well, yes, it's true, but it's really about God's relentless pursuit of his people. The book of Jonah is about God's people and God's mission and how God pursues us and restores us and then how God sends us back out into the world. And so I just want you to just think with me as we're kind of going in, as we're in two services, this, this forces us to stay missionally minded. Like we're not, we're not here to stay comfortable. No, we're here to reach people for Jesus. And as we see today, we have a visible picture of our missional opportunity. I mean, when, when we look around today and we see open seats, those are seats for us to invite our friends to. Those are seats that we need to look at and see, hey, those are for my friend. Empty seats today are in the days ahead. They're to remind us and to pray and live on mission because there are people in our life uh, that need Jesus and those seats are for them. I mean, just imagine with me, okay? If every single person that attended the first service and the second service, if we each reach and connected just two more people, this entire room would be full. In fact, we wouldn't have enough space. We'd have to find a whole nother op- option. We'd have to find a whole nother plan. We'd be out of space. Just two people. And so as we get to Jonah and then the book of Judges after that in the days ahead, y'all, we are full speed ahead towards mission and reaching people with the gospel, just praying for an awakening and a revival. Like we're moving into a season of extreme missional urgency. New City, we can't sit back and just assume people are going to find Jesus. Now his plan is to use you and me to reach people and those around us. And so I want to call all of us to be praying and maybe even fasting. Like who are two to three people in our life that God may have us to share Jesus with and to help them get connected to our church for discipleship and transformation? You know, this doesn't just fall on me or our pastors or our leaders or staff. No, God's mission and God's plan is for every single person to go all in for the Lord. Like everyone connects one. Everyone reaches one. You see, this is our church. This is what we do. We go all in and we lay it all down and we walk in obedience to Jesus. So again, just be thinking and praying, who are those two to three people in your life that God may have you reach out to? Where you can say, hey, can, you, can I invite you to church? Would you like to come and just sit with me next week? Yo, this is how the mission of God works. For today, as we end our psalm series, we've titled Praying the Psalms Through the Peaks and Valleys of Life, ending in Psalm 8, which is a high note for us. It's a peak. You know, the past several weeks, we've, we've been in several deep valleys looking at betrayal and anger and grief and when the Lord seems distant. In many ways, we've spent time kind of in the infirmary this summer, looking at our need for healing and renewal. 
you know, which I hope and pray that has is, is proved uh, to be very good for our church, especially as we start running hard towards the mission of God this fall. And the reason we've gone through so many of these valleys is, y'all, this is because this is just how life works. This is part of life. We're not a church that tries to act like life is awesome all the time, like, while at the same time, we're not a church that just sits in despair. No, when we walk through the, we walk through the valleys of life patiently, but we do it with hope, even when things around us don't seem so hopeful. But yet our God and our Bible, they tell us, yes, we still have hope. You know, we, we say often the mountaintops, they help us to see and celebrate. They help us to keep going, to see where God is taking us. And then God often grows us and strengthens us in the valley. And so we, we certainly don't ignore the valleys, but we also at the same time have to learn to praise the Lord in both peaks and the valleys of life. Like we need this. This is, this is good for us. And we praise the Lord because we're commanded to do it, but also because we were created to do it. Like God made us and he hardwired us to worship and to give praise. He created us to be people who are in awe. And this is true both in the peaks and the valleys of life. We're either going to worship God or we're going to worship something else. It's going to happen. We will worship. Again, we've, we've seen the psalmist praising God in the valleys, but today, New City, we're at the mountaintop. In fact, our main idea today uh, is in all seasons is a call to praise our majestic, caring God. And again, I don't know how you come in today. Maybe you're still in a valley, maybe grieving or bitter or angry or sad or lonely, maybe some sort of directionless, or maybe all of the above. And if that's, if, that, if that's you today, today is also for you. Because when we're struggling to praise the Lord, oftentimes we just need words to help us. When we don't know what to say, the psalmists, they help us with what to say. When our heart doesn't want to sing praises, we use the psalms to command our heart to sing even when we don't feel like it. Singing praises to God and worshiping anyways, like this is an act of obedience. It's a command. We do it whether we feel like it or not. You know what happens when we praise the Lord? When we command our hearts to sing praises to the Lord, even when we don't feel like it? And when we lift up our hands, praise the Lord, our heart posture then follows our body posture. Our heart posture follows the words that come out of our mouth. That's why when we sing and worship and we lift up our hands to what is true, even when our heart isn't in it, God calls us to lift up holy hands. And so we do it and we sing praises and then our heart will often follow. And, and believe me, yo, I've been there. Just on the, at the kitchen table before everyone wakes up, just kind of down in a pit of despair or grief or sadness, full of angst and worry, going through the Psalms and you come to a Psalm like today and you think, yo, I cannot read this. Because it starts out in verse 1 saying, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens. And maybe we think in those hard moments of life, yeah, that's great for David, but I'm just not there. Like, I can't muster up enough strength to praise the Lord today. Again, church, I've been there, but yet we're still called to do it. Or maybe that's not you today. Maybe life seems pretty good and you're eager and you're excited and life is going well. Praise the Lord. Celebrate the Lord today and encourage others around you to praise the Lord. But I also guarantee at some point in your life, in the future, you will find yourself in a valley needing to worship even when you don't feel like it. And what we're going to see today is a model for how to praise the Lord in the high moments and also what we need in those low moments of life. 
when we're struggling to praise the Lord and we need words to help us sing. Because what we'll see in our psalm today is that the God that created the world, who is king of the earth, he also deeply cares for you and for me. He sees you wherever you are, whether you're in a valley or on the mountain, wherever you are, our God, he cares and he is for us and he wants joy and he wants celebration for us. And throughout this series, you know, we've talked uh, about life a lot like a roller coaster and how we can, how we have to trust the roller coaster and how we can have all sorts of emotions and we can be all over the place on the, on the ride, like fear and angst and worry and excitement. But with all of that, at the end of the day, we have to remember that roller coasters, were, they were created for us to enjoy and to have fun. Like they were created for our enjoyment. Like people would not stand in line for 90 minutes to ride Cheetah Hunt at Bush Gardens if it wasn't at least enjoyable to some people. Like nobody would come back if that wasn't true. But that line is always full because someone's doing something right. Like they, those people, they keep coming back to the ride. Church, we must get this today. God created us to praise the Lord. God created us to find joy and gladness in the Lord and to be satisfied in Jesus. This is our purpose. And when we sing and worship like we see in Psalm 8, whether our life is how we like it or not, we're living the way that God created us to live. So regardless of where you are today, New City, it's good and right to learn to praise the Lord in all seasons of life. And I'm believing in faith that, we all, uh, that we'll all leave today with courage and hope. And so we're gonna walk through this psalm we're going to see five reasons to praise the Lord today using Psalm 8. Let's look at the, at the header. It says to the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of David. Giddeth, that's a fun word. And so David is giving instructions to the leader, to the choir master of Giddeth, like the string instruments. And the only reason I point this out is that because it reminds us again that these psalms are to be sung. Music helps us to take the truth of God and then to massage it down into our hearts. There's something God-ordained about music that takes truths that we struggle to believe and then we sing them and then God, he brings courage and faith. When we sing worship to the Lord, it's essentially a cry of prayer. Then It's just put to music. It changes us. It softens our heart. It shields us from lies and fear and it gives us faith. Like this is why we sing together every time we gather because it emboldens us to believe the truths of God. I mean, listen, if you're, if you're struggling today, sing. If you're just kind of normal, sing. <laughs> if you're on cloud nine, sing. No matter where we are in life, we need to sing the truths of God as an anchor for our life. I mean, God has given us music to be a shield from lies and fear and worry and doubt. God has given us music to be a weapon against the strongholds of the enemy. And y'all, our faith, it is a singing faith, and so we sing. I mean, after, I, after, I finish pre, after we finish preaching Psalm 8, we're go then going to sing Psalm 8. But look at verse 1 again. David says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Notice that David addresses God as Lord, and then he says, our Lord, kind of showing like a community declaration here. This isn't an individual song, but a community song, a communal song. And I know this is a bit of a rabbit trail and not the first point I'm trying to make, but New City, the Christian faith, it is not a me faith, but a we faith. It is an us faith. And I'll, I'm gonna say this over and over again, and then I'm gonna keep saying it. 
Like trying to live the Christian life on our own and by ourselves is totally against God and his design because we need each other. Like we don't just need to be with each other, but we need to sing with each other. We need to visibly see each other and we need to cry out to God. When I see a brother or sister struggling and they're still praising the Lord and lifting up their hands to sing like God tells us to do, it emboldens me towards greater faith. Like we all need this. You know where we can't do this? At home, watching a YouTube live stream. And yes, it is a helpful tool, and it's, it's helpful for so many different things. And maybe when you're sick or for whatever's going on in your life, and I'm not trying to be legalistic about this at all, but we must understand it is a less than ideal replacement, and it's not church. It's not biblical community, and you will not flourish as a Christian if that is your preferred method of engagement. Again, I'm not trying to be legalistic about this. But again, I just want to try, this is an us faith and not a me by myself faith. We need to be with each other. We need to hear the word preached together. We need to sing with each other and to be with each other because, again, it strengthens our faith. And that's not, again, that's not the point of verse one, but it was there, so I went for it. What I want to point out here is that he addresses God as, O Lord, our Lord, and then he says, How majestic is your name? So the psalm begins and ends with uh, pointing out God's majesty and his greatness. We'll see at the end as well. Leading us to number one, praise the Lord for his majesty. And I know majesty is not a word that we would normally use. It simply means greatness. It, I like the word because we often overuse the word great. You know, when I ask my get, kids, how, how's the ice cream? They're like, uh, it's so good, it's great. We ask, how was your day? If it was a good day, we say it was a great day. Uh, but if you told me your meal at your ice cream was majestic, I would probably look at you a little bit funny. Like I might think you were on something. Because majestic is a whole different level. Like it's a word used for royalty. It's the greatest of the great. And just a fun fact, when you address the king or queen in England, the proper first form of address is always your majesty. And then what you say after that, it just doesn't matter, I guess. But when you do this, you're acknowledging their position, their greatness. And David here in verse 1 is saying, How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Meaning God is not just a royal king, but he's the greatest and most royal. He's the king of kings. He's the king that's over all kings. And this is coming from David, who was a king. David knows he's a king, but in this moment he's saying, but God, you're the greatest king. You're over me. You're greater. You're far more awesome and beautiful. And so David here is he's submitting to God's kingly rule. And when we say praise the Lord for his majesty, we could just as easily say praise the Lord because he's king and we're not. He's the king of our life. He knows all. He sees it all. And he's over all. Like I can, I can see some things we can all know some things, but God, how much more does he know and see? Church, this is so good for us, just to be reminded of the smallness of our life in comparison to the greatness of God's life. And yet, he's with us and right beside us in directing our life by his majesty. Like when we can't see around the corner, maybe when we're anxious about the future, we can rest because our life is in the hands of a majestic king. 
when we're struggling to see hope, when we're feeling lonely or defeated in those deep valleys of life, we can still praise the Lord because God, he's sovereign. He is a majestic king. He's the entirety of our life and he's in, it's all in his hands. And although we can't see around the corner and oftentimes we don't know why certain things happen, God in his majesty, he sees it and he knows it. In a really short and simple way, we could just as easily say this, rephrase this, for let's praise the Lord for how big God is. So our big, majestic God, he's our Lord, our Yahweh. He knows us and he deeply cares for us. And notice what he says in verse two and three. He says, out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. So David says, how majestic is your name? And then notice verse two and three, he, he kind of paints a picture for us with two contrasting descriptions. He says in verse two, out of the mouth of ba- infants and babies, you have established strength. And then in verse three, he says, when I look at your heavens, the moon and the stars, he says, that's the work of God's fingers. He said he set them in place. Showing us number two, praise the Lord for his strength and power. And in verse two, we see the smallness and the neediness of babies, and yet he says through them, God establishes strength and is able to make still the enemy. In New City, this is an astounding truth that we see come into fruition in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus quotes this in, in Matthew 21 and says, Out of the mouth of infants and babies, you have prepared praise. And what does this mean? It means when a young child who can barely speak and talk and stumbles over their words, but yet they say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. In that moment, God is showing off his strength and the enemy freezes in fear. It means when us parents pray over our babies when all they can do is cry, we can know with confidence the enemy trembles and God is shown as majestic. It means when our kids gather together on Sunday and when they read Bible stories and sing and dance and rejoice at the goodness of God as a church and with our families, in those moments, the strength of God is put on full display and the avenger shudders in fear. And then in verse two, when David says, when he looks up at the works of God's fingers up at the heavens and sees the moon and the stars, while he's laying there, I mean, I just like while he's laying there looking up at the sky, David is put in all of God's power and grandness and greatness, saying, God did all that with just his fingers? You know, I, I've watched a few strongman competitions, and I don't think I've ever seen someone boast about the strength of their fingers. Maybe grip strength, but not finger strength. But that's the point David's making here. God put the moon and the stars in place with the mere power of his fingers. That's how powerful God is. And because of this, it is good and right and faith building for us in moments of despair or hardship or struggles just to walk outside and just to look up at the sun and the moon and the stars or to go to the ocean and just look out at how big God is and just ponder at God's power. Just to look up and just to be amazed at our creator God. In New City, I have been so challenged this week as we think about how we pray. And what we pray for, just asking ourselves, if God is this big and this powerful, we must continually think, what can God not do? I mean, this past Tuesday night, I had the privilege uh, to be with over a thousand people in Brooklyn, New York, at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, people from all different uh, walks of life. And I had the privilege just to go up there and pray with them. In church, we sat around for about 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes, all a thousand of us just 
for 15 minutes getting on our hands and knees and crying out for a missionary named Elsie that they sent out 40 years ago to Haiti. And there might have been 10 people in that room that knew her, but these people, they cried out believing in the power of God as if it was their own daughter in an extreme life-threatening situation. New City, when we pray, we need to ask ourselves, are we trusting in a big and powerful God or a weak God that we might think just maybe doesn't care? And then notice again what David said as, as a contrast in the first half of verse 4 saying, and what is man that you are mindful of him? So David praises the Lord in his strength and power and then immediately after realizes his own smallness and weakness saying, what is man that God, who is powerful and majestic, that you are mindful of me? I know that word man in verse four, uh, it's the Hebrew word, uh, the Hebrew word for that is enosh, and that word is used to emphasize our frailty and mortality. It's, just, it's, it's really used just to show our smallness as people. And I just want to be clear here, y'all, I'm, I'm not real sure. We're, we're not real sure what the setting is for this psalm, um, but I'm going to use my creative freedom because what we do know is that David had about 18 kids, And I just want you to imagine with me that David has been woken up in the middle of the night by a crying baby and he couldn't, they couldn't sleep and maybe uh, they were just kind of sitting there struggling to get that baby back to sleep. And I just imagine he walks outside and looks up at the stars and the moon in that moment, in the middle of the night, I just imagine in that moment he sees the grandness of God. He sees the greatness of God and he realizes how he, a king, how small he truly is, that he can't even get a baby to go to sleep. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. I'm about to be there again trying to get a baby to go to sleep with another one coming on the way. But I think we get this. In this moment of all, David realizes his smallness. David says, God, you made all of that up there, and yet you also know my struggle? David knows his weakness in this moment, but in his weakness and smallness, it moves him to be in awe of God. Leading us to, our, uh, to number three. Praise the Lord for his unwavering love. You know, it's one thing to praise the Lord in our strength, but it's an entirely different thing to praise him in our weakness. Even when we have nothing left to give, and all we can do is just sit there and just receive the love of God. When we come to God in our moments of struggles and in our weak moments after we realize the greatness of God's love and we see how small we are, we then move to praise. In fact, it's good and right to look at the grandness of God and then to realize in contrast our small, how small and how feeble and weak we are. We're Enosh. How, how feeble we are as people. You know, when we look at God's creation and see his strength and power, our perspective, um, it changes. It changes how we view ourselves and others. It, it helps to take the weight off of us and it helps us to then place it on the Lord. We can praise the Lord in our weakness because when we mess up or fall short, when we sin or when others sin or when others fall short, our theology says, yep, that's right, we're humans. We're not God. No, God is God, and yet his love is unwavering. And because of the cross, we can still say we've messed up, but yet Jesus, he's still my Lord, and he still cares for me. He's unwavering in his love for us. And this is what David is doing. David said, what is man? What is Enosh? What is little of me that you are mindful of me, saying, God, you're God, and yet you know me. You know my name, and you actually think about me? And then he says in the second half of verse four, he says, and son of man that you care for him. 
And when David uses this term son of man, in this moment he's emphasizing his humanity. It means son of Adam. And in the Hebrew culture at this time, it was used to contrast God's greatness to man's smallness. And yet this phrase, the son of man, it, it, there means so much more to this. We'll get to but David is continuing to say, God, your majesty, you don't just know little of me, but you actually care for me. Like it's one thing to know my name and to know about me, but to care for me is a totally different thing. Now this is gold for us. Because in our finiteness and in our smallness and humanness that messes up and falls short and sins against God, don't miss this. God cares for you. For me, he cares. He doesn't just know about you, but he cares for you. He doesn't just see you in your struggle, but he cares for you in your struggle. He doesn't just see you in your everyday life, but he cares for you. And you know, that, that word care, it's an action term. It, cared, it does something. Listen, I, I, I love your kids. I care for your kids. I pray for your kids. We all know I, 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 don't, uh, I don't give them the same actionable level of care that if you do as a parent like I don't tuck them in bed I don't feed them I don't wipe their little bottoms and I love you but I'm not paying for their college but I mean if I were like if I were with them I'd feed them if they were hungry and you know help them but we all know there's nothing like their mommy and daddy's care and David here is in awe looking at the moon and the stars and thinking that God he sees me he sees little of me and all of my mistakes and failures and David is in awe saying and he cares for me like he actively cares for me. He doesn't just know me, but he cares for me. He doesn't just see me, but he, and he can help me and comfort me. Like the God who holds the whole world in his hands, he looks at you and me and he cares. You mean he, he sees me in, our, in the physical sickness and he cares for me? Yes. He sees you in your financial struggle and our financial hardships and needs and you're telling me that God cares for me? Yes. I mean, you, he, God sees me in my loneliness and, and all the struggles with friendships, and you're saying that he cares? Yes, yes, and yes. Church, may we today, pray, number four, praise the Lord for his care. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. When you're full of fear and worry and in your anxiousness, we can praise the Lord. Because God, he sees it, he knows it, and he cares. God, he's living and he's active. He's here to help. We're not alone. No, God, he cares for you. Maybe when we're struggling with apathy or bitterness or anger or loneliness, we can cast our worries and our apathy and our sadness and our struggle to forgive onto the Lord. And why? Because he cares. And listen, I, I, I know... There may, may be moments in our life we may struggle to believe that he cares. Like you may not feel that he cares in certain moments of our life. And as your brother in Christ today, I want to tell you with the utmost confidence that yes, God absolutely cares. And that anything less than that is a total lie from the enemy. New City, God cares for you. He cares for us. Rest in that today. And then look at what ways God shows his care through verses five through eight. Look at, look at the verses. 
says, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the, be- the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. So David here is in all of what God is, has put all of what God has put under him specifically of what he's given him uh, as, like, as an earthly king. And it led David to pray, praise the Lord, showing his care to David. And, and what I love about this psalm and all the psalms is that Jesus comes in and then it just totally flips it all upside down. In fact, Hebrews chapter 2 uh, points out, the author says that this is all about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2 quotes Psalm 8 and shows us how the entire psalm is about Jesus. And so what is one way in which God shows his, us his care? Well, a major way is that he has given us Jesus. Because through Jesus, we're crowned with glory and honor. Through the cross of Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus took on the crown of thorns so that we could receive a crown of glory. And listen, the crown of glory that we receive, it does not say we're king. No, it says we're children of the king. It says we were once children of wrath, but through God's care in Jesus, through trusting in Jesus, he brings us to his table and says, just stay with me. Just sit with me. Just be with me. Let me heal your wounds and your bitterness and your worry. He shows his eternal care for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be with him. And we have to also ask, well, how else does God show his care to us? And well, through Jesus, we know that God has entrusted the work of his hands to us. Verse six, it says, you have given him dominion over the works of his hands. Talking about King David having dominion over the work of his hands. I don't know if you've ever uh, handmade anything, but if you've ever, if someone's ever uh, given you, make, make something by hand and give it as a gift, you know, it just shows an extra level of care. You know, our kitchen table at home, my father-in-law, uh, it was handmade. He, he handmade the table. He put a lot of work and hours in this thing. I mean, uh, could he have bought us the exact same table? Well, maybe, yeah. But he handmade it and gave it to us, and that gift of the table, it is far more special to us because of that. His care for our family was put on display. And so when we look at what God has entrusted to us in the mission of God, and calling people to Jesus, in that we see God's deep care for us. Like the, God's greatest treasure in his people is, is worshiping him. That responsibility was given to us. That privilege was given to us. Church, seeing people come to Christ and having their life transformed by the gospel and moved into purpose and passion and finding new life, God showed his care to us by entrusting this privilege to us. We could keep going. There's so many ways, but just seeing the privilege that we have. We can't miss this. Like this is God's most precious activity. This is his highest goal. His purpose for creation is to make Jesus known to his people. And he entrusts this to us, the church, the people of God. And he did not, if, he, if God did not care for us, he would not have entrusted this to us. He would not have given us the joy and the privilege to seeing a life changed. You see, God cares for us. And listen, he wants to restore you and he wants to renew you. He wants to heal you. God desires for your flourishing. 
God desires for you to find flourishing in the power in the hands of Jesus and nothing else. And then to end the psalm, you know, he says the exact same thing he said in the first verse. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So how else can we praise the Lord? Well, number five, praise the Lord for the name of Jesus to be known in all the earth. So y'all, I want you to follow me here for about uh, two minutes, which is real close. Because as I just said, this entire psalm, yes, it was initially penned by David, but like all scripture, it was breathed out by God who knew it was really about Jesus. The name of our Lord that is majestic and powerful in all the earth, it is the name of Jesus. Because how is the majesty of God and the kingly rule of God being made known in all the earth? It's being made known through Jesus. It's being made known through the gospel, through proclaiming the good news of the gospel. You know, as I said earlier, back in verse four, David said, who is the son of man that you care for him? And David uh, saying this, he was showing us his humanness and his humanity. We get this, about 800 years after David wrote this psalm, Psalm 8, a prophet named Daniel prophesied, kind of looking into the future, that the son of man he prophesied about a, a person that we call the son of man will come as the saving king as the messiah that would have an everlasting dominion and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages would serve him and that his kingdom would never be destroyed and what happened another couple hundred years after this well jesus steps onto the scene and he calls himself the son of man the messiah that was spoken of a couple hundred years before this and what did jesus do he did exactly what daniel said he would do he established an everlasting kingdom so that all people all over the world could worship him And so Jesus calling himself the son of man showed both his humanity and his divinity, his his godness, while also showing he was the long-awaited Messiah and king whose name would then be made known in all the earth. And so why do we praise the Lord today? We praise the Lord today because of the name of Jesus, period. We praise the Lord that Jesus saved us and called us and has the power to every day, every single day, because the renewing of the Spirit, being renewed by the Spirit of God, Jesus does this in us. Like God restores us and renews us through Christ, through Jesus, through the Spirit of God working. He ignites our hearts on fire with worship and praise, and then he moves us back into the world as worshipers, overflowing with the name of Jesus on our lips. And when we cry out to God in praise, like we see in the psalm, the result is always mission. When people who are ignited by the name of Jesus in their worship, like we can't help but tell other people about Jesus. And so wherever you are today, whether you're down in the valley or whether you're just on top of the mountain, the call is to praise the Lord. You know, I want to end with this. You know, as I mentioned earlier, this past week, I went up to the Brooklyn Tabernacle to a prayer conference. Um, and you know, it was just so good for my heart and soul, just hearing, like, just seeing God move and just seeing how we could strengthen our prayer culture and our church. And you know, I've, I've got a ton of great takeaways that God just really uh, instilled in me, just uh, the beauty of just giving praise and gratitude uh, for God as we pray. But something that a guy that I was with, that he said to me, 
just speaking about this idea of praise, he said, Eric, as, as we think about praying, Eric, if I treated my wife, spoke to my wife the way that we often come to God, I don't think we'd have the greatest relationship. Help me with this. I need help. Do, do this. Do this. Help me here. Do this. Do that. Just a, a to-do list of needs and wants and needing help. All good things. But what does a good relationship look like? Just encouraging and building up and speaking life into people. And so when we come to God in prayer, no matter where we are, may we, we, we use things like the praise in Psalm 8 just as a normal rhythm of prayer in our life. Just to give praise to God and thankfulness to God and gratitude to God and just, just show God his value and his worth just as we pray, just giving God everything. Not because we need something or because we want something, just but because God is. Because the name of Jesus is above all names and the name of Jesus is being made known among the entire earth. That's what we do. We, we, we praise and we give God glory because God is worthy of our praise. And as we think about, like, as we think about this, like, as we think about just giving God worthy and praise and honor, everything, all of our needs, they just get put in proper perspective. And so today, one of the things I just want to call us to do as we sing Psalm 8 is just to praise the Lord. Just give God praise. Why? Because he's glory. He's worthy. New City, let's, let's pray. God, you're so good to us. You're so kind to us. God, we have so many reasons to praise the Lord today, but I pray that we would just give you glory because of your goodness, because you care for us, because you see us, because you created us, because of your strength and your power. God, would we just be a people that just sing loud to the Lord because of you, because of the name of Jesus that is, gives us life and hope. God, if there's anyone in here today that is just needing hope, God, I pray that they would throw themselves to Jesus. Say, God, here I am. Take my life. God, would we give you all the praise today. In Jesus' name, amen.